Thank you so much, team. And I uh, love worshiping with my faith family. If you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8 and had read that passage just a, just a moment ago. And uh, we are, as I mentioned, just wrapping up this series that we're walking through called The Red Letters. And uh, really, it's all about listening to the commands that Christ has given us as followers and, uh, and what it looks like to walk in obedience to what He has called us to. And uh, we're wrapping that up this morning. And so for the past, really about since the second Sunday of the new year, we've been taking a command each week and unpacking it. And so we began with Christ's command to repent and believe. Uh, we talked about following in this command of being baptized. Uh, we talked about the command to love God, love people. We've walked through the command of praying at all times about all things. We walked through His command in giving. We walked through His command in worshiping uh, and taking communion together as a family of faith. And today we are wrapping up with this command to make disciples uh, and so, I want you to kind of think through your life, and I want you to think, have there ever been a time where you have found yourself in a place of either, we'll just say leadership or influence, and you're in this place of leadership or influence, and yet if the truth were told, you're in that place of leadership and influence, but you, you honestly, like, you have no idea what you're doing, <laughs> or you feel like you're way in over your head. All right, there's like this advice that's been given from time to time. Uh, but it's this, this, hey, fake it till you make it. If anybody ever told you that, or maybe you've told somebody, it's this idea like, hey, as long as you look like you know what you're doing, like just maybe it'll all work out in the end. Uh, and so I feel that way often. Uh, but one of those times that I felt it uh, recently is walking through our basketball season as a basketball coach. So uh, I want to pause there just for a second and just say this. Yesterday we wrapped up. Uh, our basketball league here, and I do just want to take a moment to give a shout out of gratitude to our commissioner, Pastor Charlie, Pastor Daniel, who was bringing the word in all of the half times. The refs were amazing. The coaches, the 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 scorekeepers, the 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 floor moppers, the concession stand workers, like everybody, just such an amazing job on any given Sunday. There were about 700 people over the past seven or eight Saturdays that have been walking through and just an opportunity to love and share the hope of Jesus in those moments. And then tonight at five o'clock in this room, this room will be filled with family members and friends and all of those kids who played ball. And in this setting will be another opportunity to love on these families and to share the hope and the good news of Jesus. And so just be in prayer over that. Pastor Daniel will be sharing the gospel. Pastor Charlie will be leading that, that time out. And so just, again, just be praying over that, praying for that fruit that endures, that fruit that lasts. Uh, that It's awesome that God has entrusted us with a basketball gym. And yet we want to use that for His glory and His mission. So can we just take a moment? There were a lot of people who served in different ways on this season, but can we just share our love to all of those who served? It is an awesome, awesome, awesome ministry. Awesome ministry. Uh, awesome ministry. So, uh, so I've never coached before. I, I, I know a little bit about shooting, a little bit about dribbling, a little bit about passing, very, very little, and, and maybe with my kids a little bit, kind of talked a little bit, but I have never been placed in a, in a leadership 
role where other people are looking to me to teach them how to do that. It's just a whole different thing. And so if you've ever been there, you probably, I probably did what maybe many of you have done. Go to YouTube, right? <laughs> how do you coach nine and 10 year olds? That's what I did. And, and so by God's grace, we had a, we had a, we had a great time. But, but honestly, like I knew, I knew fun, some fundamentals, but I'd never been in a position where I'm pouring that into other people as a group so that then they will go do it. And the reason I share that is because in talking about making disciples, that this was my testimony for many, many years, but it was, I, I had repented of my sin and trusted in King Jesus as the Lord of my life. I, I wanted to live a life that, that honors Him and brings glory to Him. And in a lot of ways, for many years, could perhaps even articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ, had a personal devotional time with the Lord, but yet I had not been in this intentional uh, group setting where I am specifically pouring into a group of people the commands of Jesus so that they would obey Him to the point where it doesn't end there. There's not a period. What I pour into you, now you're going to go and you're going to pour into another group of people. Like I had, not, I had not walked through or experienced that for many, many years of following Jesus as with a desire to want to be a disciple of Jesus. But yet, this is what Christ is encouraging us to do. So, as we look at this text, I want us to understand if you are, or you have been rescued by God's grace, then this command that we're going to walk through is for you. It's for me. It's for us as the church and so the question is this, if you've had that experience or you haven't had the experience of, let's say, making disciples who make disciples, it is possible that's one of two reasons. Reason number one is possible because you don't feel equipped. Like you just kind of look around the room and, and, and you know you and you're like, there are, there are other people way more qualified to, to do the whole disciple making thing. And so I'm going to leave that to the folks who have it all together, which by the way, nobody does. And I'm going to leave it, I'm going to leave it up to, the, to, the, to those people who have years of teaching or years of walking with Jesus or all this, but, but just like there's people way more qualified, so that's for somebody else. And I think that's one reason maybe folks have not taken that step to make disciples who make disciples. And I think another reason is, where do I start? Like where do I where do I even that's my heart if I want to walk in obedience to Christ's command where do I where do I even start it could be that no one has poured into your life in that way that there's not a period that there's a common so what I poured into you and in following Christ I want you to now go and I want you to find a, a, a group of people and I want you to pour into them I I grew up in church I, I attended lots of services I went to Sunday school, I did all those things, but I'd never been poured into in that way with that vision of now you go do this with others. And I just want to say out of the gate, like there's no age limit requirement. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you've been rescued. This command is for us. So Jesus is gathering them on this mountainside and with the disciples, he's, he's told them where he's going to meet them, but they have no idea what's coming next. And as we look at this text, we look at the main idea of this text. The main idea is that Christ commands His disciples to make disciples who make disciples. 
That's the vision. That's the command. That's for all of us as believers. And so as we see this, we're jumping into the passage of what has been often called the Great Commission. And this is after the resurrection of Jesus. He instructed Him to go to Galilee. He's soon going to ascend to the right hand of the Father. He is going to return again. But He's about to look at the eyes of His disciples and He's going to instruct them and command them, I'm, going, I'm calling you to finish what I have started. And that's what all is about to happen. So a couple observations as we walk through this great commission is number one observation, remember God is faithful to direct our steps. I think this is, this is super encouraging for, for us as a believer is that we, that we get, can we get caught up in the like, I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know what it's exactly going to look like. But let's be encouraged that God is faithful to direct our steps. Look at verse 16, Matthew 28. The Bible says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. They didn't land there by accident. Jesus told them where He wanted to meet them. He gave them that wisdom. They had no idea what was going to happen next, but yet He gave them enough light for the next step. Follow God always requires a step of faith. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so there's going to be this, I don't know how it's all going to work out 100%, but I trust you to take the light for the next step. He was with his disciples teaching them for about three and a half years. He was teaching them. He was instructing them. He was mentoring them. And no doubt there had to have been those times where Christ would command his disciples to do something, but yet they didn't have the full picture of how it was all going to end up. And, and yet, like, 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 they just had to trust Him. They had to trust Him with this step of faith. Think about when Jesus called the disciples. Matthew 4, He, he goes up to these, uh, I think what had to have been kind of rough around the edges fishermen, and He calls them and He commands them to drop their nets, follow Him, and He'll make them fishers of men. They could have had no idea the adventure that they were about to sign up for, all they knew was that Christ had commanded them to take the next step and to follow Him. They had no idea they were on their way to Capernaum. They had no idea that there was about to be an all-night healing fest in the name of Jesus in that city. They didn't see it. They couldn't have understood all that was coming, but they had enough light for the next step. I, I love the story of Abraham in the Old Testament. Um, Abraham, maybe you're familiar with the story, but no doubt he had his family, he had his homestead, and, and, and he was living life, and he loved the Lord and was a worshiper of God, and yet God chose him, called him out, and said this, Abraham, I want you to essentially uproot everything you know, and I want you to follow me. The Bible says, I will, I will, I will, you'll go to the, go to the land I will show you. In other words, God never even told them like where they were going to land or where He was going to land. All He did was say, it's time to go. And He followed the leadership and the light that God had given Him. And wow, what an adventure He experienced. And so I love that picture of those steps of faith that God always gives us the light for the next step. 
The Bible says the Word is a... Anybody know? A, the, word of, the Word of God is a lamp to my feet. So often I wish it was the Word of God is a spotlight to my feet. <laughs> because it's way easier to see with a spotlight and it's way easier to see where you're going when you got a spotlight. But what is, what is the Word of God? The Word of God is a lamp to my feet. God is always faithful to give us light for the next step. And so again, these disciples had no idea what was coming. All they knew is God gave them light for the next step. Meet me in Galilee on the mountainside. So remember, God is faithful to direct our steps in disciple making. But a second observation is that we need to beware of the temptation to overfocus on our limitations. Like my hunch is right now, if I were to walk up to any believer, we would have no shortage of coming up of these reasons why maybe we're unqualified to make disciples who make disciples. But look at verse 17. The Bible says, and when they, and when they saw Him, speaking of Christ, they worshipped Him. But some doubted. Some doubted. Now, most likely we don't know for sure. Most likely this is more than just the 11 disciples at this point. It's very possible that this is a group that could number as many as 500. That it is believed, possibly, that this is the meeting where Paul, over in his letter to the Corinthians, actually said after the resurrection that hundreds of people saw him at one time. 2 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 6 say this, Paul says, For I delivered you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, in verse 6, and then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have fallen asleep. We don't know that for sure, but it is very possible. Jesus' ministry was focused much in the Galilean area. This is where He's meeting them. Obviously, things are a bit hostile in Jerusalem. And so He's meeting them and He's pouring into them. But it couldn't have been the eleven that doubted. I mean, they, they were there through the trials. He crucified. They had already spent multiple occasions with Him, the resurrected Christ. So as they, as they see Christ, they're not doubting that He's God. But it is possible Possible that these doubts might not even be about who God is, but maybe it's about the fact that God would use them. That God would use them. Many of you perhaps know their, their uh, job descriptions or their resumes. Fishermen, tax collectors. Like, gee, like gee, you want to use me? Like, you want to use me? And that's what I want us to hear as believers. God, yes, you are, plan, you are God's plan A to reach this city and to reach the world. I love what Jesus said when He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There's this, there's this lie from the enemy that says you have to have it 100% all figured out before you can do what God's called you to do. But Jesus says, no, you follow me and I'll make you. I'll transform you from the inside out more and more into my image. And so it could be this temptation to overfocus on why we can't. I've never done this before. 
I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know where to start. There are other people that are way more qualified, but God wants to use you as His instrument to carry on His mission for His glory. Some of y'all play instruments, right? And the thing about an instrument is, instruments don't play themselves. You take a trumpet, for example, you go to the case and you don't see that trumpet playing itself. You can't take it out of the case and it plays itself. No, what happens? The trumpet is the instrument. The player breathes breath through that trumpet and makes that sound come out on the other side. God desires to use your life, my life, as an instrument. Him working through us to reach this world. And so there is a healthy understanding of our limitations there's definitely a healthy side of wow i'm you know i this 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 well there's a healthy side of that why because it makes us dependent on god it makes us know like if god doesn't pull through if this isn't god working in through me it's just going to fall but there's an unhealthy side of that where we over focus on why we can't and our limitations And what we end up doing is we make it more about ourselves and what we can't do unintentionally and limit God, limit His work through our lives. So Jesus is bringing this instruction, this word to them. And He is going to take the doubts and He's going to turn the focus back on Himself. So remember, God is faithful to direct our steps in disciple-making we must beware of the temptation to overfocus on our limitations. A third observation is there, there are two truths that empower disciple making. Two truths that empower disciple making his authority and his presence. His authority and his presence. I think about, uh, we're going to see in just a moment the content of disciple, like what actually is it? We're going to see that. But I love that before he says that, he opens it and he closes it with these two empowering truths of disciple making. His authority and his presence. Verse 18 says this, And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He begins with His authority and He closes with His presence. And it's in these in two empowering truths to disciple making that guides us on the journey. God has all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth, all authority from the cosmos to your neighborhoods. He is the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the one who's holding this whole thing together right now. Sun and moon, He made them. Stars, He made them. Seas, He made them. Land, He made it. Every living thing made it. Every person made it. Everything. He's the creator of all His all authority. I love over in Genesis 1.16, I have it circled in my Bible and little stars beside it because this just... I, I forget what year it was, but I just noticed the tail end of this creation story, which, by the way, if you ever just want to be re-reminded of the awe of God, just read Genesis 1, out of nothing God created. Listen to what Genesis 1.16 says, And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, 
and the stars. And I love those last three words, and the stars. It's almost just like God's like, you know what? And I'm going to throw these in too. (laughs) Just because I can. Like every word. All of creation just at at His word. And think about what the disciples had seen. Think about these 11 brothers. They had seen Jesus raise people from the dead. They had been on a mountainside in Galilee and saw thousands upon thousands upon thousands, estimated some 20,000 people. They have no idea how they're going to feed these people. And, and there's like, oh, here's a, here's a boy who has a little fish and a little bread. And God's like, that's all I need. We see Christ walking on top of water. We see Him taking a nap and then He rises up and the wind and the waves obey what He says. They've seen Him cast demonic spirits out of demon-possessed people. They've seen His authority over the physical. They've seen Him take paralyzed people and help them walk again. Make them walk again. He's taken people who could not see anything. Their entire lives had been nothing but blindness. But yet with just a word, now they see for the very first time. Jesus would take a leprous person. Leprosy was seen as a curse. No one would dare touch them. But Christ touches the leper and brings complete and total healing and restoration to their lives. Jesus has power over the physical. He has power over the natural. He has power over the spiritual. Now here they are on this Galilean mountainside and they are seeing the resurrected Christ who has power over death, hell, and the grave. And Jesus says, and I have all authority in heaven and on earth. And because of my authority, I am telling you, go and make disciples. It's like we put it in that kind of context. It's like our limitations don't seem so uh, limiting anymore because we're reminded of who he is. And that's what he does. He takes the doubts and he turns it on himself. And he says, I have all authority in heaven on, on earth. And then he turns around and bookends this great commission with a promise. And this is one of the most comforting present, uh, uh, truths, promises of Scripture for a believer And I am with you always. That word literally means I myself am with you to the end of days. He had already promised He was going to send the Holy Spirit, the Helper. But they couldn't have known how all that was going to unpack. Like Acts 2, and we look forward, we see how it all unfolds. They don't understand how it's all going to unfold at this moment. But what they do know is God has promised them to send the Helper, that it would be better for them that He would physically no longer be with them so that He would send the Helper, the Counselor. And I love how this Holy Spirit would empower them and help them and reveal to them and guide them. And the same truth applies to us today. The Holy Spirit indwelling us to lead us, to guide us, to show us, to reveal to us, to guide. And again... In the light of His authority and His presence, all of a sudden, those, all those reasons why we think we can't suddenly begin to lose their luster and their power over us. And so, may we be encouraged and reminded God is faithful 
to give us direction on the next step always. Beware of the temptation with disciple making that over focuses on our limitations. Because let's be honest, we can all make a list of the reasons why we are not qualified. But yet, as it has been said, it is God who qualifies through His death, burial, and resurrection. We see the truths that empower disciple making. We see almost like these, uh, these bookends to the content, His power and His authority. And then the uh, last uh, final observation is just the essentials of disciple making. So what is this that He's calling us to? What's He entrusting to us? And it's, we see it in three, three actions. Going, baptizing, and teaching. Going, baptizing, teaching. Going speaks of actual sharing, proclaiming, speaking the good news of Jesus. This evangelism is, is the word that it's used to describe this sharing the hope of Jesus. Baptizing is that first step of obedience when someone has placed their faith and trust in Christ. What is baptism? Baptism doesn't save us. Baptism identifies us. Identifies us. When somebody follows in believers' baptism, they are identifying with Jesus. They are being immersed in the water, which is symbolic of His death and burial. And they're brought up out of the water, symbolizing His resurrection from the dead. Baptism symbolizes the death of our old life as a non-follower of Christ. And that we're raised to walk in newness of life. Baptism identifies us with Christ. And then teaching. But notice, it's not just teaching for knowledge. The Bible says teaching to observe. There's a big difference in teaching and teaching to observe. The big difference in teaching information and a big difference in teaching to obey what is being taught. And this is what Jesus is commanding. Look at verse 19. Go therefore. So in light of my authority, all authority in heaven and on earth, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The focus of this text is making disciples. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a follower. What Jesus is commanding His disciples to do in this moment is you are going to reproduce yourself in another life. And then that life is going to reproduce their life in another life. Disciple making has always been word-centered and spirit-empowered. We started this whole red letter series by looking at Acts chapter 2 and we see the early church in its, in its earliest beginnings. So much so that in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches the gospel. Thousands of people uh, repent and believe. They're following believers' baptism. And then we, we saw these, these, these disciplines or, or acts of worship that they were carrying out. And the question was, how did they know how to do that? Like they, they just placed their faith and trust in Christ. Like how did they know how to do all that stuff? And the answer is, and this is what Jesus commanded them to do. That's how they know. So this is what Jesus has commanded us to do. There's so many faithful men and women of God who have poured in teaching and truth and, 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 and insights into the Word. And I love 
Uh, Robbie Gallaty is a pastor at Long Hollow in Hendersonville outside of Nashville. But he's, he's given some words to help, um, help these terms because they're said a lot in, in church world. But what is disciple making? It's intentionally entering into someone's life to help them know and follow Jesus. That's evangelism. And then to teach them Jesus' commands, that's discipleship. That evangelism is sharing the gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ with someone to help them know and follow Jesus through repentance and faith. And discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order, and this is the key, to replicate faithful followers of Jesus or to multiply faithful followers of Jesus. And so we see that we cannot miss what Jesus has commanded His church to do. And that is to make disciples who make disciples and make disciples. The church, and you are the church, we are the church. The church has been entrusted with this mission. God's plan A to reach Olive Branch, um, surrounding communities, the ends of the earth, is through the local church. And we got to be careful as a church, that we do not become so inward that we miss the mission that God has called us to. we got to keep our gaze to our community. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says, Peter says, but you are a chosen race. Think about that. You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. A people for His own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. The question could be say, what was the mission of Jesus? He told us His mission, seek and to save the lost. So what is the mission of the church? It should be His mission, seek and to save the lost. Jesus said, just as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. God's design is that we live as missionaries where we live, work, and play. And so I began this message with two questions, and that is why believers who have repented and placed their faith and trust in Christ, why is it that we're not disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples? And it gave kind of two reasons. One is the fact that maybe we think we're not qualified, which I hope that we have seen that all authority and His authority and His presence is what empowers us. And our limitations disappear in His authority and in His presence. And so the encouragement is, is that we're all called as believers to be disciples who make disciples. And the second question was, maybe I just don't know where to start. Like I want to because I, I have a desire to obey Christ, but I'm not 100%. Like where's the starting point? For all of this. And so as a, as, a, as a local church, we want we want this place, this family to be a training ground, to be a place where we can be equipped to live out what God has called us to do. And so what I'd like to do is I want to share three ways, three steps that perhaps the Holy Spirit might encourage you, stir your heart in this, in this desire to obey with the command of Jesus to make disciples. Three practical ways that we see this in the life of First Baptist Church of Olive Branch right here. The first is D-groups. D-groups. 
D groups are not Sunday school classes. They're not Sunday groups. They're not community Bible studies. D groups are gender exclusive. So ladies with ladies, guys with guys. D groups are gender exclusive groups of three to five people who meet weekly for a period of time. That might be three months. That might be six months. That might be 12 months for the purpose of spiritual growth. Almost every week I meet with three other guys and we're reading through the Word together and we're memorizing Scripture together and we're journaling the Word together and we're holding each other accountable together and we're praying for one another and we have an end point on when this is going to end. And when we end, that doesn't mean it's over, but it's over for our group. Now we're going to go and we're going to find two or three other people or three to five people, whatever that number is, and we're going to invest what what God has poured into us, into other people. And you see that multiplication happen. Again, D group is a way. I'm not saying it's the way. It's a way. It's a way. It's a framework. It's a God. So when you see in your bulletin, uh, there is a little, a little tab in here that says Becoming Pathway. If you see the Love People Pathway class, what that is, is that is an ongoing opportunity that is specifically tailored to equip you on how to be a disciple who makes disciples. And we walk through that framework. So we want to train, we want to equip, we want to help. And so not only perhaps D-group, but I do want to speak just for a moment to the Becoming Pathway because you may hear it on the announcement video and you see it on the tab, but it's like, what are these, what are these ongoing classes? So on the first Sunday of every month, During the Sunday school hour, we provide an ongoing opportunity to help you become a multiplying disciple for the glory of God and the mission of God. And if you'll notice, you see love God, love people, live sent. Love God is, by the way, is next Sunday, March 5th. We meet in the FLC conference room and all that is about is how to help you and how to help us have a thriving relationship with God, a personal relationship with God. We talk about how to read the Word and we talk about prayer and it's just an opportunity to grow and learn in that way. So if that's you, join us. It's next Sunday. But that's a way. We can't love other, like, we can't love people the way God wants us to unless we love Him first. Like, we, we actually can't love until we rightly understand His love for us and our love for Him. And so there's that Love God Pathway class. Love people. I just mentioned that's actually our D-group framework. And we teach how to be a disciple who makes disciples. Again, it's not the way, but it's a way. And then you see the Live Sent Pathway class, and that's all about helping you as a believer and helping me as a believer, helping us to discover how God has uniquely wired you to make a unique kingdom impact with how God has wired you and created you and made you to live as a missionary wherever you live, work, and play. And so there's these opportunities, and maybe it's just, it's, it's a step. The group is a step. Pathway classes, again, these are just steps. But then every Sunday when we wrap up a service, somebody comes up here and starts talking about next steps. All of us have a next step. It may look different for different people. And so we talk about that next step. That next step for you might be um, following in obedience to Jesus' command to be baptized. Why? Because He commands us to. Why? Because baptism identifies us with Him. It's an act of obedience. 
And so maybe that's you. Maybe that's the next step. Again, it's the light for the next step. However, the Holy Spirit is leading. Maybe it's you've maybe been a part of the larger gathering, but you haven't taken that step into an ongoing group like a, for, for community and support around the Word. And so maybe, maybe God is stirring to take that step. And I get it. Like that step can be a biggie, but it's so worth it. To take that step and get in community around other brothers and sisters to encourage you in your journey of following Christ. It may be, actually I spoke with somebody just before church that God's calling them to become a member, a member of the church. And so we talk about that. When you look at the New Testament, you see, you see believers who are connected to a local family of faith. It's very important that you're connected to a local faith family. And so for us, and maybe you're there, maybe you're considering that, you're praying over that. And so even just to take an opportunity to share, if that's your desire, what we do is we actually point you first to what we call our first step pathway class. We offer it the first Sunday of every other month. And in that, we talk about who we are, what we believe, and how to get connected. And so with that, again, it's for anybody who just wants to learn more about the church, but for someone who wants to become a member, we, we, we ask and encourage you to be a part of that because we walk through what are those core convictions that we hold to as a family of faith. And so maybe it's prayer. It could be a million things, but there's a next step. Everybody's got a next step. What is your next step? It could be your next step is you don't have a life-giving personal relationship with God. And it could be that today that you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit that is leading, guiding you into a life-giving relationship with Him. How? Repentance and faith. Turning from self and sin and turning to King Jesus. His perfect life, His perfect death, His perfect resurrection. And Jesus says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So maybe that's your next step is to begin that relationship. That most more important than who you're going to marry, more important than what college you're going to go to, more important than your career choice. Like, like everything pales in comparison to that most important decision. And it impacts everything about our lives. I was reading an article yesterday that shared how Christianity, although the largest religion in the world, it's not the fastest growing religion in the world. Islam, Muslim, is, is rapidly growing. And I heard this story shared, and I, I believe it's a powerful, just a powerful story, is that in a Muslim country, there was a devout Muslim man. And he came to faith in Jesus Christ, repented of his sin and trusted in Jesus and Jesus alone for his salvation. And the community that he was in, as you can imagine, became very uh, enraged toward him. The community turning against him. What in the world? How in the world? Why would you? How could you? All of that. And the gentleman explained it this way. He said, let's suppose you were on a road and that road came to a fork. And there were two men that were at each entry. And one of them was living and one of them was dead, who would you listen to for directions? 
And he pointed to the resurrected Christ, who is the only one who has the power to give life and life to the full. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. And so may you hear the love and the grace and the care of King Jesus toward you. That's you to begin that relationship. Or if you're a believer, it's taking that step in disciple making. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And I pray, Father, that um, I pray, Father, that you would find us with a great desire to want to honor you and obey you. Father, I can only imagine what those disciples must have felt like when they were tasked with completing the mission that you began. But Father, when we understand what you called us to do to make disciples in light of your authority and in light of your presence, God, we find great encouragement Because we do not go about this in our own strength or on our own wisdom. We go about it in the authority of the one who holds all authority in heaven and on earth. The authority of your word and your truth. But not only that, but the power of your spirit that you have empowered us to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth, which in my mind, I kind of think of in Olive Branch, in DeSoto County, in the state of Mississippi or Mid-South, our country, down to Guatemala, down to, over to Nepal, Southeast Asia, the ends of the earth. So Father, may you find us obedient to take the, the next step that you give us the light to see. And Father... If there's anybody here who doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray today will be the day that they acknowledge their sin, repent of their sin, and trust you and you alone for salvation. Father, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I invite you to stand with me as we sing a song of response. Pastors will be here. We'd love to pray over you. Let's give this time to the Lord.